What's up, listeners? It's Tom with the Attack Angle, the official podcast of the Georgia Dugout Club. Speaking of that, we got a little information. This coming January 9th, Mercer University Coaches Clinic. If you're interested, go check out the link and registration at mercerbears.com. You can find all the information there. Also coming up, big one, ABCA Virtual Clinic, January 7th through the 10th. Uh, you get, still got time to sign up. Go register abca.org backslash convention. And the other thing, Fungometrics. It's your one-stop shop coaching. Put everything in a central location. You can track bullpen, BP, live AB, training mode, weight metrics, whatever it is, you can track it. You can store it, create a central hub for your team to look at their stats, where they're growing, and all of that. But the best part, the meat of the show, we got Coach Rick Howard, Lambert High School, talking culture. Guys, this is awesome. He brings it. Like he says, be yourself. That's all you can do. I hope you guys enjoy. Sit back, listen, and let's go. Hello and welcome to the Attack Angle. I am Tom Dimitrov, um, along with Matt Kelly, Jay Lasley, Eric Bounds. And we got a special treat this week. We got Coach Rick Howard from Lambert High School. Uh, Coach, how are you doing? Doing great. I want to uh, thank you guys for having me. Well, this is awesome. We're excited. This is a, a, another treat for ourselves because uh, we get to learn some uh, some exciting information about creating the culture of baseball inside of your program, what it means, how to develop it, things that you've experienced over time. And we're just super excited to, to get to hear your insight. Um, real quick, could you just run down through kind of your past of where you started, your coaching experience, and where you're at now? Sure. Um, very fortunate. I've uh, been around, been some great places, been around some great people. Uh, the Brookwood High School for 21 years. I uh, was assistant there for 10, pitching coach for those 10. And then you got named head coach. Uh, very fortunate um, in those 11 years to be head coach at Brookwood. Um, out of nowhere, um, just decided to create a challenge for myself and Job came open, put in for it, and uh, ended up at Lambert. So we've been there um, six years now. So um, it's been good. It's been really, really good. It's been good on me. Um, it's uh, taught me a lot, and uh, I'm better for it. So, so let's kind of dive into it because you started off at Brookwood, um, and, and today's whole thing is kind of creating that culture inside of a program. And, and what it takes and what your beliefs are, what your, what your concrete beliefs are, what you want to build those players on. Um, and you started off, you said, as the pitching coach for 10 years, and then you transitioned to the head coach. Now, your 10 years as the pitching coach, how was that in relation? How did that help? How did that hurt? Or was there things that you saw that you really took forward with you? Or were there things that you were just like, this just doesn't work and I got to change it? So just talk a little bit of that transition of those 10 years as the pitching coach and then getting the job as a head coach and, and kind of what that was like. Sure. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to um, assist two great guys and Tom Jones and Doug Jones um, and two very different individuals, but two classy individuals. Uh, but I learned a great deal from both of them. Um, I'll tell you, I think the thing that I, I took the most uh, both were successful and both did things in a very different way. 
Um, and I realized probably early on, <clears throat> first year, probably even my second year as head coach, is that one thing that I needed to do was I needed to do it my way. Um, the way Doug was doing wasn't going to work for me, and the way Tom did it wasn't going to work for me. Uh, my personality was different than both of them. Uh, while we may have had some philosophical agreements, uh, we, you know, we saw things just because of our personalities being different. So I learned very early that I was going to have to do this with my personality and, and with uh, my thought process. And so I think that helped me the most in my first couple of years as a head coach. Wasn't anything necessarily I saw as a pitching coach that I, as far as changes, um, I just, I just kind of took from both of them and put them into how they would work for me. Uh, Tom was, uh, you know, stern. Uh, he always come, it came across as no nonsense. I wasn't necessarily him uh, behind closed doors, but I got that feeling and I got Doug, a great baseball knowledge. Um, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy, um, passion for the game. And so I took both of those and kind of created and took my personality and mended all those things together. So, so you step into the role and, and you've had these two great coaches ahead of you. And now you start creating um, your idea of what the culture of the program, how you see it, how you believe it should be run. And kind of what you put in your notes from the, the Georgia dugout convention that you were going to present with and that you let us look into is the culture you, you identified as the simplest way to do things. Uh, and, and so yes. just kind of talk about some of those things that are simple that you felt like you needed to instill into the program to kind of make it your own. I mean, that was one thing that coach Strickland from last week with a coach when he was going to Marist was he was like, I got to be me. I can't worry about the guy in front of me or the guy that was behind me or whatever it may be. I have to do it my way. So if you could just kind of walk us through some of those simplest things that you knew from your personality that you really wanted to instill into your program. Sure. I think probably for me, um, I, I had, I always have a belief that if you create that simple, um, you know, thought process, if you create that, kids are going to go from there. Um, and that's what you want. You want your kids to take that basic and then mold it into what it is they want for themselves as a group. Um, and each group is different. Every year it's different. You got different leaders, you got different players, uh, you got different scenarios. There's things that culminate in a, in a course of a year that create uh, that personality of that team. I wanted to make sure that what I was doing was just creating that base level. Hey, this is where we are, all right? From that base level, these are the kind of things that we want out of our kids. And then from there, let them take off. So when I was doing this and trying to set this up, you know, and I'll be honest with you, culture, we had culture at Brookwood. I don't think it was ever something that we – went overboard about for me it was always about a system let's create a system if we create this system for these kids these kids know what to how things unfold as a freshman they're going to come in and these things are going to be asked of them our pitchers are going to throw three pitches they're going to be able to throw those in the zone we're going to do a great job with our picks we're going to be fundamentally sound we're going to run our bunt coverages exactly the way we want to we're going to play small ball we're going to play to our field. Our field was big, big gaps, 
That's how we played the game there. Um, and so as we created that system, those basic things as freshmen, they took on as sophomores, and then we tried to expand them. Um, each year, you try to get a little bit more out of those kids. My biggest thing that I think I always told our kids was that, listen, our goal is to get the most out of you. That's our whole purpose in here is, is create that player that you're capable of because we're all not willing to push ourselves to that extent. So sometimes we got to kind of – we need somebody to mold us into that. Was uh, so, uh, sorry. go ahead. I, I was just going to ask. No, no, go ahead. You're so at Brookwood, uh, across the street, across the road, down the road, whatever is Parkview, who has this long success of tradition of winning, and, and everybody knows. Uh, how was that? How was there a struggle with like trying? Like, did people expect you guys to be like, I mean, like Parkview, or was there like ever? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of like competitive tension between you guys, but kind of what was that kind of like as you were going in building into this program? I'll be honest with you. I think number one, I'll tell you this, that's one of the greatest rivalries I've ever been a part of and truly one of the best things that you could have ever been a part of. Um, one of the things I truly miss. I think it was one of the, my motivational factors. I think um, when I got there, we struggled every year against Parkview. Uh, matter of fact, in our first four years, I don't think we ever beat them. Doug comes over from Parkview and we start creating a little success. Um, obviously, in his first year, we played for a state championship in 99. Um, so we had some success all the way around. So that kind of triggered that, hey, Brooke, what's there? Now, you have to understand Brookwood won a state championship in 86. And then we had a couple of years that were a little bit down. And so we were kind of going through this cycle. Well, it's frustrating in that community. Uh, and we competed in all sports against each other. Um, but baseball had struggled. Harview under Coach Buchanan, which always tremendously admired him from a distance, um, solid every year, every year solid, Con just constant. So we're trying to compete with that. And there was a little back and forth through Doug's years. And when I took over, um, that was the key thing. And it, for us, it was trying to change the mindset of, all right, listen, because when I got there, kids, kids were afraid to play Parkview. I can say that now. That was 20-something years ago. <laughs> um, there, was a, there was a mindset there that was like, hey, uh, you know, they just they weren't competing. Um, it wasn't that they were much that much more talented than us. We were, there was a mental part of it. So that was one thing that we tried to change. Um, when I took over first year in 05 was not very successful. Um, of course they, they had some dudes and we were competing against that in the second year. So the mindset was the biggest thing that we had to change early on in my first couple of years in 07, we start having some success and we end up winning the region. And that just really, I can't tell you what that does to a program um, when you've kind of have that success. And it wasn't they were down, they were still very good. We ended up going in 07 and playing in the semis. Um, and so that just kind of propelled us and changed a little bit. And that'll do a lot for culture. There's no question. You got some success, it does a lot for a culture because it creates all of those things you need to be successful, um, how you play the game, um, 
the stories, you know, the history, everything goes on. And then 08 again, we win the region. And so we, we kind of changed that tide. Um, 09, I think we split and then we kind of fell off a little bit. In 12, we come back and we play for a state championship against Parkview. Um, oh, they wow. beat us and um, they beat us in the state championship, but we beat them twice during the season in the region. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was, that was a big thing that I was so proud of our kids is that I felt like we had changed, not just in, in Parkview, but you guys will remember, you know, East Cobb and, and that part of it in Cobb County baseball was, you know, the elite. And, and we were turning it around to be able to compete on that level. And I was happy for our kids because our kids bought into that. Now, Coach, I've got a question for you when it comes sure. to a big big rival. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've asked this of other coaches. Some coaches will take that rivalry on, and that's their main focus, and they push that rivalry to their kids. Other coaches have taken the approach of they just – let's treat that rivalry like another game. And, and I've heard both coaches talk about they found success by addressing it that way. When it comes to a rival for you, do you try to get your kids to treat it like this is just another game? Or do you treat it like this is our crosstown rival? This is a live and die situation for us. Well, for me, and I think this was more of the culture that we were building. And I don't know that we really thought that, thought about it. It was more about the system. I think we have always tried to, um, our kids, we play the game. Um, it's not about who's in the dugout. That's gotcha. hard to do. <laughs> but it, if we could get our kids to buy in that, hey, this is how we're going to pitch, this is how we're going to play defense, and this is how we're going to – and, hey, let's focus on this inning. We won this inning. Uh, and this – we won the next inning. They won an inning. Um, we limit the mistakes on our part of it. Um, but if we play our baseball and we play for each other, then the opponent becomes less of an issue for us. Gotcha. So, so in your case, it's more of a – Play the game. Just play let's focus game. on the game, the game and not focus on the other team. Okay. Yeah, I, we used I, to, and a, go ahead. And a second question I had, you said you were the pitching coach at Brookwood. When yes. you transition from that, from the from a position that's obviously very important on any staff as the pitching guy, how long did you continue to do pitching or did you pass that off directly uh, once you became the head coach? Or do you still do pitching now? Is that an area obviously you still focus in, but, but do you have a pitching coach and, and where were you in that situation? No, I turned that over on day one. That was uh, the best advice I ever got was, uh, Rick, don't try to do both. Um, and it was. It was the best best advice because, one, I think it helped me grow as a coach. Um, I, would, I would tell anybody that's – you become a head coach, you got to get great people around you. Um, and you need to hire people and you need to leave them alone. Mm -hmm. So what we've been fortunate enough to do is – um, I hire people to do jobs and, and we talk about philosophy and we hammer out our philosophy. And then once we're hammered out, we've got what we want. And then I expect you to go do your job and get our kids prepared to play. Um, gotcha. and it doesn't matter if you're an infield guy, outfield guy, pitching guy, am I going to go down in the bullpen? I certainly am. Um, but I'm not there for, question anybody I'm not there to step on any toes I'm there for the kids talk to the kids about pitching talk about our philosophy 
with them. And those are the kind of things I think is important is because they want to see the head coach watching them and taking uh, taking note of what they're doing, where the work is. Um, uh, kind of lead into the – or to kind of look at the two different scenarios of you creating a culture. When you were at Brookwood, you were already a, a part of the culture a little bit when you took over as the head coach, obviously as a, a voice with the pitching coach. So you were already established a little bit with your culture. So it was probably, I would assume, a little easier transition into creating your culture as the head coach. But when you went to Lambert, you were kind of stepping in and taking over that you, you weren't already a part of it. On day one, week one, month one, what are some of the priorities that you take in creating the culture that you want with your program? Well, I think you're exactly right. And I, and I think that was a challenge I was looking for, um, honestly. Um, I look back now, there's probably some things I'd wish I'd done a little differently. Um, but uh, I don't think I really looked, uh, again, I was focused on system. I'm very systematic. I like things to be done a certain way. So I pushed system. Um, there's some things that are different in today's game. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think the, the, the best thing that about creating culture back in the day was that we played summer baseball. Um, we established everything in the summer. I mean, you, all of us did. That was uh, the amount of time you had with your kids. You had zero distractions. Uh, you played tons of kids. Uh, you created everything. Um, so I get to Lambert and that's no longer, you know, and it is what it is. I, I've got kids, my, my two boys go and play travel baseball. It is what it is. Uh, we can, we can, I'm sure you could have a podcast on that. We'll go on for, for months. Uh, oh, yeah. And everybody's well, we, got a different opinion on it. We and, talked uh, about before from, from South Georgia, we would come up into playing the Parkview summer tournament. Yeah. And to play in the McEachern Woodbat tournament. That was a big deal. Oh, yeah. And, it was. And, and, that, and that's something nowadays you try to explain to kids in high school, and they're like, y'all stayed together and played yeah. in the summer? <laughs> and, and, and I mean, it sounds so yeah. antiquated to those kids. It really is. And it's, I mean, for us, um, I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, we played 35 games, uh, but we also we took trips, uh, we got charter buses. Uh, we were in hotel rooms. Uh, they had a room with kids. I, I put them in, in rooms with kids they didn't know, uh, especially in different classes, got them to know each other. Uh, we went rafting. Uh, we did that several years. Uh, we did World Series. The best thing I think I, I always enjoyed, I don't think the kids always enjoyed, but we took the last three days. So um, after our last tournament, we would go in that next Monday, and Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we'd have a camp. And that camp would start at 8 a.m. in the morning, and it would go all night, all day. And they would leave 8, 9 o'clock that evening, go home, come back, and we'd start the next day. And it was just – it gave us a chance to go over all of our fundamental stuff, all mm -hmm. of our team defense, all of our team offense stuff. And then on that third day, we would play a World Series. And so we had our sophomores, juniors, upcoming sophomores, juniors, and seniors that we divide into three teams. And we'd have a blast. And they, the kids were the coaches. And uh, whoever was 0-2, they had to clean out the, the stalls in the bathroom. Uh, so there was, there was, you know, there was a, a punishment there. And then the other group had to vacuum and, and you know, wipe down walls and do those kind of things, take care of your house. And then the winner didn't have to do anything. 
so and, and hey we had parents that would bring breakfast we had parents that would bring lunch we had parents that would bring dinner and um it was hot and uh it was it, you were tired but you want to talk about building a culture i mean we got time to sit down with our kids and we talked about so many things um that were, and honestly there weren't always baseball items and so it was phenomenal i i missed it and that's been the toughest thing for me um, to get here because creating the cultures, it's, it's hard. It, it, you don't have four on ones are great. Love them. But I've had to come up with different ways. And this is, this all started last year or really the year, a little bit before, maybe the fall of last year where I started going, I, I don't, our culture's not where I want it. And so, well, how are we going to change this? How are we going to change this? And I'll, I'll tell you the first place. I'll let you go if you got any questions, but I'll tell you where it started. You ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The weight room. Oh, hey, yeah. man. Yes, yeah. sir. Is, that is the um, – you want to find out about your kids, you go to the weight room. And, uh, well, I don't know what – go ahead. Well, you, you put in your, in, your, in your slides that you had, it starts here. And, yeah. and I, you can't name me a good program across many sports that it doesn't start in the weight room. Uh, yeah. That's that. That's where winning begins. There's no question, and it, it was. And I can tell you that from from experience. I mean, we always had it at, at, at Brookwood, and we we started it with at Lambert, and I was the only one in there. Um, and I've been fortunate the last two years, but I'll tell you this: I got out of the weight room felt like somebody else ought to be in the weight room that I was probably on the kids too much and if there's well, one your, thing your, I, your voice ahead. becomes the same voice they hear during block schedule yeah or during class exactly. is the same one they hear at one on fours the same one they hear at practice the same one they hear in games and I, I felt because I used to do the weight room too it becomes a little bit of white noise to them Yes, and if they can have somebody else pushing them in that weight room your voice carries more weight when you're on the field you're, you're exactly right. And it's got out, got back in, and I was very fortunate. Um, that time last year, Josh Pritchett was our weight training guy. And I was like, hey, I want you to teach the class. I'm here for a totally different purpose. And I was there to get in their heads. Uh, I was to get in there to challenge them. Uh, he set up the workouts. He set up all the stuff. I just made sure they were doing – you know, the only thing that I ask is, that, hey, we went off the whistle. Everything was off the whistle. And I think that was the greatest thing we ever did last year was in a weight room, kids, I don't know how they do it, but kids can get lost in a weight room. Um, they find those <laughs> those corners, they find those places, and they get lost. But when you're on the whistle, you can't get lost. Everybody's on the same. We're all on the same. And so when we're power cleaning, we're all on the whistle, and everybody's going at the same time. So now they're looking at each other. If you're not doing your part, hey, it's it's, and it doesn't have to be a verbal call out. It can just be a stare. It's like, hey, you're not doing your part, and all of a sudden it becomes. Now you start seeing it, and you're like, oh, holy cow, these guys are getting it. This year we got a, a new guy in the weight room, Curtis Mateer, and phenomenal. And again, <clears throat> same thing. He's in there. He's calling them out. I'm calling them out. Uh, no, no, you're not doing the right percentages, you know, 
and you're going to do the percentages right here in front of everybody. Next thing you know, I mean, we're maxing. Kids are screaming and hollering. I got seniors encouraging sophomores, and it's phenomenal. And you're talking about getting a kid that maybe struggles on the baseball field, and all of a sudden he gets in a weight room and he throws, you know, he's on a squad, and all of a sudden he's doing 225, and everybody else starts looking at him a little differently. He's like, he, he is a lot better. It's there. And then that kid, all of a sudden, his chest starts poking out. And it changes everything about your program. What, now, me, now, do you have do you have most of your baseball kids together in your weight training class? Yeah, everybody but our football kids. Gotcha, which is which, a huge benefit. It is. And it, listen, I, I don't care. I just want them to lift. You know, it, it, as long as they're getting it and they're getting after it now, us being together, that's a big deal. Now, what we'll do is our seniors will come in uh, to our weight training class in the spring. Uh, so it's good to have those those, those football seniors, I should, I should say. They come in in the spring, and so they're with us. Um, because those typically, those are your leaders. Yeah, to me, the reason the weight room is so great is because it's not instant. Like, you have to truly grind in the weight room. Yes to get to a certain level. You have to be committed every day. You have to commit to those lifts and following the routine to get to where you want to go. And so many kids, and especially in this day and age, are just looking at, you know, we get on Twitter and somebody's like, oh, just do this and you'll throw a hundred miles an hour or do this and you're going to hit 10,000 home runs in your season, you know, but it's not that process. It's a process of grinding every day and learning that routine and learning about yourself and how to take it to the next level. And that's why so many kids that hide from that process don't want to take the time to grind it out, to, to see the results. And, and like you said, when you get to that, that final day of maxing out and all the kids are super excited, it, it's finally that journey got to that point and you've created this culture of you looked around and you saw everybody grind side by side and then you get to see the results from that grind together. So it, it's pretty awesome. No that's question, why, um, no question. I want to highlight before you go on to something else. This was something, and you talk about culture, but this was something that I found, I don't know, um, obviously interesting, but such a great learning point. So we were we went in, Coach Mateer was not there, and he, he always had all the hype up music and all that. So I get in there and I'm not the most tax savvy, tax savvy, uh, tech savvy individual. So I get in there and I can't I can't get the mu- the music on. well you know that just that shuts down everything because it's like they and so it was a great great point so we started talking i was like listen you're not always going to have those outside sources for motivation sometimes you just got to grind and i was like and i was like you know what we need to have that day in the weight room where there is no music and that's that day when you come to the ballpark and and it's feels wet it's cold nobody's coming to today's game because it's too cold for anybody to come or you're playing somebody that's struggling right now or it's like all right you got to grind so it's like hey we're weight room day with no music so what are we going to do and so we created it so those kind of things create culture too I mean and that was one of the things that hit me and I was like all right now we got it now we got something to talk about on those days when we don't feel it you know yeah you're gonna you go you're gonna grind in the weight room with no music which we all know that's the difference in sometimes that region game on a Wednesday or Thursday that your kids aren't into. Can you win that game? Yeah, Can you yeah. win that game when, you, when you're not playing your best? And like you said, the field's yucky and it's nasty. Yeah. 
can you find a way to battle through that game and walk out with a win rather than a loss? Yeah, anybody can perform when you're feeling great. You know, you, you really start to see guys separate themselves who can perform when you don't feel great, when the conditions aren't perfect, when it's not 74 and sunny, you know, what? It's cold, rainy. Who's going to step up and really perform in those situations? And the weight room can, can show that in itself. No question. No question. So, Coach, on your, uh, on your uh, little presentation you were going to show at the uh, dugout club, you were going to talk about, like, the language and the jargon that you use, and you had – a word, rictatorship. I'm assuming that's a play on your name. Um, well, can you dive into that a little bit more? Yes. Um, I think that's uh, – I think language is – you know, it's interesting. When I went back and I was like, all right, I really need to look up culture. You know, we talk about culture. But, I mean, what defines a culture? So, I went in there and I looked and I was like, holy cow. All right, now let, let, let's take this and apply it to baseball. So, language is obviously of any culture is very important. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, all right, well, let's, let's talk about language. And to me in baseball, it's more about the jargon, the things, the phrases, coach speak. Um, you know, I think you need to play around with kids every once in a while. You need to tease. I mean, <laughs> yes, you got to get on them, but I think you need to do other little things. So these are a couple of things that I've always um, – my badger fault was always one of the things that I always – so if something – if I messed up, uh, yeah, it was my bad, but it was probably your fault that I messed up. Uh, <laughs> and that kind of evolved into, you know, you, we all, we all have that, that, uh, that speech where, you know, you're not going to, this is not a democracy. You're going to do it. This, this is going to be done my way. And, you know, and you know, Hey, it's not a dictatorship. And then one of my kids goes, it's a dictatorship coach. And it was, it just kind of, everybody laughed, you know, but it also caught on. You know, and that was the great part about it was that, all right, Coach Howard is in charge of this, you know, and, and we're going to run this thing the way Coach Howard wants it, and it's a dictatorship. And so, you know, we talk about that, and then it, it was it was kind of funny how it all developed. Um, you know, a little stuff. I go down the hallway, I see one of my kids, and say, hey, what's up, little man? And uh, most of them just kind of pass you on by. They don't say it, but every once in a while you have like, like what? Little man? You know, and then I have to follow it up and I, hey, that's how I see you, you know, and it's uh, so it, you want to see that kid that kind of asks and questions. And says, what do you call? Who do you call a little man? I like that kid. Yeah. Um, I love to see him with her girlfriends. Um, you know, I'll go up and, hey, who's your friend? And, you know, there's two answers. You know, one one's going to be good with her. And one's going to be good with me. And, um <laughs> You know, I want that dude to kind of, man, I say, coach, it's my girlfriend, you know, but every once in a while you'll get that one. So coach, this is a friend. Well, then she immediately looks at him. is like, what are you talking about? We're just friends. And then <laughs> one of the best is I had that happen to a kid at Brooklyn and she just stormed off. And he's like, coach, I got to go. I was like, go ahead. buddy. All right. <laughs> so, you know, those are the kind of things um, that I think I do also have some, some, you know, I tell our guys, you got four responses, and it's uh, yes, sir, no, sir, I don't understand, or I screwed up, and I got that from Bob Austin State at one of our clinics in the dugout club, and uh, to me, that is, don't tell me why, you know, because today, and we're all, we all do this, somebody tells you what you did wrong, first thing you want to do is, is tell why it went wrong. And I try to let them know, I, I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is you learning 
what it is that I want you to do and how I want you to do something. So let's just save all this time. Um, let's cut out why it happened. I don't want to hear that. What I want you to do is I want you to listen to me tell you how I want it done. And then I, that's the way we want to get it done. And so it eliminates a little bit of that stuff. And again, you know, I tell our kids, are you listening to argue or are you listening to learn? 90% of the time they're listening to argue. You know, oh, yeah. if we ever, if we get to the point where we're listening to learn, we got a chance. My favorite question to ask a kid is, is like a kid makes an error in the field and you'll catch him coming off the field after the inning and you say, can you catch that ball? And he's going to tell you why it was a bad hop, why, yeah. what, what, what happened. And it's like, no, that's not what I asked. Can you yeah. catch that ball? And the kid will say, well, well he'll try to give you the excuse again. Yeah. You're like, not, not what I asked. Can you yeah. catch that ball? Yes, coach, I can catch it. Then catch it next time and let's move on. And try to get kids to understand, like you're saying, is I don't want, I don't, I don't want to hear your excuse. I want to know, can you make that play? Can you hit that guy on there? Do I need to get a pinch hitter in? Tell me what you can and can't do and let's go win a game. That's exactly right. And, and I, that's the biggest thing is what them understanding what they can do. No question. Uh, and I think another thing, uh, just the four replies to yes, sir, no, sir, kind of on that. Uh, a lot of kids don't know how to have conversations. Like, yeah. I mean, so many kids just text over the phone to each other that the, the art of having a conversation with somebody is gone. And I've been, uh, I know I'm a big stickler of this is like when we're in our indoor, I make sure you say bye when you leave. Like if you just walk outside, like I, you better say bye to us when you walk out that door because I'm going to do the same to you. I, I want to know that you are leaving, that you are thankful for your time, whatever it may be, but you, you need to open that that conversation with us and, and learn how to respect other people's time. Um, so now our players walk out and they're always like making sure <laughs> they say bye when they, they say bye. So it's – well, and you've got a kid like Ben Stewart that we have. Ben Stewart will walk up to each coach, fist bump them, say, bye, coach. Thank you, coach. Yeah. You know, and, and that's something we all have kids. Our coaching staff has small children that play rec sports and little travel. I make my kids go tell the coach, thank you after every practice. Thank you after every game. And uh, we try to explain to our high school boys the same thing of, hey, go up there and thank that guy for his time. No matter what it is, hey, thanks, coach, for this today. Because somebody was trying to help you get better today. I, I agree with you. And one, one thing, I, and I kind of turned that on, is like, you know, we're also going to not make this just something we do just to do and to make everybody feel good. It's like we're going to look each other in the eye and you're going you're gonna to mean that fist bump. And it's like when you say thank you, hey, it better come across to me or whoever that recipient is, is that you do appreciate down deep down what you've done for, for, for me today. And uh, so I, you know, <clears throat> I make sure that if they get nonchalant with it, we're going to stop it and we're going to talk a little bit more about, hey, if we say thank you, then we're going to meet it. Yeah, I think just having a conversation opens that door to the culture in your program. It, it also puts you on the level of I'm able to talk to you about anything. I'm able to have a conversation with you when things are tough, when I do mess up, when, when something does go wrong we're still able to have a normal conversation and it's not, uh, I think a lot of kids take it as when we start talking that they get defensive thinking, well, I did this wrong or look at me, the shame or whatever. And it's not that it's let's figure out what happened and how are we going to fix it? And, and, and can you do it or not do it? And if you don't know it, then that might reflect back to us 
that we're doing a poor job of coaching something and that we need to do a better job of understanding how to deliver that information to that, that player or the team in general, if everybody's missing it. So uh, the, the art of conversation is very lost in, uh, in kids these days, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I agree 100%. For, to go a little bit to practice, I'm kind of interested to hear a little bit about the, the culture that you create in practice. Obviously, we as coaches in season spend as much time with these kids as anybody, probably more than their parents, more than their friends, anything. Um, the culture that you create in practice, I see some of the notes that you've jotted down, pace, BP rounds, attention to details, uh, and your expectations of them in practice. Could you talk a little bit about how you create a culture of uh, high quality practice pace and, and the expectations you set for them. Yeah, I, I, t to me, that is, um, where it's funny. We were talking about that today, our coaches. Um, you know, I, I think that's what sets the tone for, um, for everything. I think if, if you can't, ex you can't ask your kids to play intense for two, two and a half hours, if you're not going to ask that of them, every day of practice. And uh, we were talking, um, some of my coaches, actually two of the ones that were, we just hired. And, um, you know, one of the first things I, I tell them is like, listen, uh, you know, I need you to understand when we go through those first four weeks of practices, uh, we're four to eight, four to eight thirty. I mean, and that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, so make sure that that's, that's something you're good with. And then, you understand that that's going to be the, the expectation of how we go about this. And we set our practices up. The first two hours are going to be our fundamental side of it, our BP and those. And then the, the back half is going to be a scrimmage challenge, is what we like to call it. Um, I started doing this because I couldn't see him in the summer. So the style of play that I want, well, I can talk about it all day long, but if they don't, play that way they're not going to understand what it is that I'm asking of them so we try to take the last two hours of every day and it is going to be a scrimmage a challenge uh, so we that way our arms get where they are they're singing pictures but our kids understand the intensity and the pace of the game and how we want it to be played so it all starts off with you know and to me the more specific you are with how you want the intensity then the little things, if you start paying attention to the little things, when we throw, um, it's not a chat around time. Uh, when we stretch, uh, I don't mind some talking, but it's not going to be a, a conversation about what went on today at school or how Susie's doing or anything else. It is going to be, I need to get, I need to get after it here. I hear I need to get stretched because I'm about to go four hours. Um, so when we're throwing, we're throwing with intensity. We're hitting with the chest. We're working our arm slot. We're moving our feet. We're catching everything in front of our feet. I think from a coach, the most important thing you can do, and I catch myself doing this, don't stand in the dugout. You better get down there in the middle of them. Um, and again, this also gives you that opportunity to talk to them a little bit. Um, you're not that guy getting on them all the time. You're that guy that's asking them, hey, how did your day go? You know, they didn't talk to me about their day, but they're not going to talk to each other about their day. And so now I'm communicating with them and I'm getting a, a rapport with them. And so we talk about that and we talk about the practice the day before. If there's somebody that had a bad day before, now i got a great opportunity to talk to them. 
and talking to them on the field is a lot better than talking to them in an office and um, in the school building. Hey, that's that's a place where both of you love to be. And so I think it starts there. When we go, um, when we go into our fundies, it is high intensity. We're moving our feet. Uh, we'll take breaks when it's time to take breaks. Uh, BP, uh, there's absolutely zero standing around. It is first guy's up. He's taking the ball live off the bat. And he better be laying out. He better be able to get every ball he can. Uh, once he lays out and goes and the next guy steps up and he follow, funnels in behind him, um, everything's intense. Everything is to get after it because if I want them to play that way, we got to practice that way. So that's a big part of what we do. So uh, talking about just continuing on to practice, the, the pace, what are you guys like on a clock? I know you like the whistle inside the weight room, but do you guys follow that routine on the pace or are you just, are you, is it just high intensity? Make sure we're moving, we're, we're getting to the spot we're supposed to be to, or, or how, how do you display the pace of the practice? Well, and this is where a rictatorship comes into play. So everything's off based off of what Rick Howard thinks. And so the rictatorship is, is I have my coaches, they're in charge of their fundamental groups and I'm the one that controls the pace. And so when we're going through this and we're doing this, it's going to be, all right, if my focus in our practice schedule was that I want to make sure our infielders are working on this, then that round or that group work is going to be based off the intensity that I want off of my, my infielders. Hey, we're still working hard on everything else, but I'm going to rotate it off of what we're doing with our infielders because that was in devising my schedule for practice that day. That was the area that I wanted to get the most done. And so if we focus on that and I'm going to rotate everything off of that. So in our group work today, that's the most important thing we're going to do of the day, then I'm going to make sure we rotate off of that. It is not necessarily clocked. It is about, hey, we're bouncing where we need to be. Um, if uh, we're running our bunt picks, first and third situations, then it's um, boom, first guy's up. He's going to throw. He messes up. I'm not going to sit there and go over with him what he messed up. He's off. Next guy's in. My pitching coach now is with that pitcher, and he's going to correct whatever it is that he did wrong. And now I've continued the pace of practice that day, um, but he's also getting the instruction. But I didn't slow anybody else from getting reps. And so that's kind of how we coordinate everything. There's a time and a rhyme and a reason to what we're doing it. Um, but I don't like the horn because there may be, I know in football, that's something new. And I'll, I'll tell you, I got this from Augie Garrido. Was, I was very fortunate. I got a chance to go um, fly into Texas when he first got to Texas. And I from Friday night through Monday, I got to go around to every practice, walk beside him, talk about it, and that was that was his thing. And that was he was he said I used to love to watch basketball practice because the pace of the practice was phenomenal, and that was where I got it from. And that was how I wanted practices to be run because I think kids enjoy that. Um, it, is it not the most frustrating thing to do to go to the ballpark and watch kids sitting around, standing around? It drives me crazy. And you know who it really drives is those kids out there. Um, oh, yeah. Baseball's not a boring game unless you make it that way. You know, the, the intensity, especially from the mental side of it. You know, when we're doing BP, our outfielders, we use the dial pad 
um, you know, the first round through, then, then we're going to take everything off of three. And then I'm going to yell out in the second round that, hey, we're taking everything off of nine. Um, so every round needs to be different that our kids are, are taking the ball. Obviously, I can work that off if we're doing hitting, hitting runs, whatever it is. But now I've, I've created the intensity. They understand, all right, I'm not just here shagging balls. I'm actually working on a specific of how I want this done. And they love it. They absolutely love it. So that, that increases. That's the intensity I'm talking about. That is the pace that I'm talking about. Um, I think you can we, do that with a watch, but I think it's different when the expectation is you're working towards something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, we always talk about the fact that baseball practice is fun. Like yeah. high school baseball practice, the only hard part about it is the weather. You, those first, yeah. that first month in January, you're fighting the, you're fighting the weather as far as when's the sun going to go down and when does it go from 45 degrees to 32 and, you know, it's <laughs> miserable, but you know, if, if like you're talking about with pace and intensity and, and, and quickly moving from things to things, kids who've never practiced that way realize how fun baseball practice can be compared to one guy taking a ball off a fungo and eight guys standing around. And, and I think you're right. When you create pace and those kids understand that, man, I can get a lot of work done and it's a lot of fun, but it's all about the intensity that we go about it with. Oh, there's no question. I mean, that, that's what they love. That's what they want. I mean, they they want they want to gain as much knowledge as they can and, and, and feel like when they leave the field, it's like, man, I'm worn out. I mean, that's the way they leave the weight room, right? Yep. You got, you got them addicted to that in the weight room. Well, you got to do the same thing out there. Well, then it, it translates to the field. I mean, I think there's a huge difference from a coaching standpoint when you get up against a team that is – high intensity, you, you feel the pressure of them wanting to yes. move fast. You know, their pitchers getting on the mound, taking control of the game, dictating what's going on. And the other team can kind of feel, get overwhelmed sometimes and be like, oh my goodness, like, you know, it, it just translates. And I feel like we'd gotten in that situation early when we first kind of took over and then building our practices that were high intensity. I feel we put the pressure on other teams when we walk up that first hitter or that first pitch is thrown it's go time. Like the intensity picks up. And I think that's totally translated from in practice, always moving, being on the move, getting high intensity reps. It's easy to translate that into the, the game. I, well, and I and agree. It, go ahead, Jay. Well, and my coaches know this and you'll laugh at this coach. We had a young man move in from out of state last year and played on our, our varsity team. And he was on a, championship level team at this school in the northeast and he got into a regular season high school georgia baseball game and he was like this is crazy this is super intense and we're like this is just a regular season game and and for that kid who who was like coach we played the state championship game in new hampshire it was not this intense and we're like well this is a wednesday in in february that's all this is down here yeah. And and so for that kid, you could see when when that intensity hit him and he he saw that the level everybody was playing at, he's like, Coach, this is this is nuts the way these teams are going at each other. And I'm like, Oh, this is it's just another day in Georgia high school baseball. That's exactly right. I, yes. I mean, it, I love when you get kids from out of state or I mean they come in and they're like, All right, coach, I like this. I mean, because they don't they don't get that anywhere else. I mean, it's in Georgia's it's intense. I love it. So 
Yeah. Uh, and it, and kind of moving into talking about uh, drinking the Kool-Aid. So, I mean, you got these high intensity practices. We've hit the weight room. We got the language. How do you invite kids to, to drink the Kool-Aid? How do you get them involved? How do you get them to buy in? Um, is it something that's just they pick up from other people or is it something that you really take uh, a focus on behind the scenes of, you know, setting kids up to drink the Kool-Aid without even kind of knowing it? Well, and I, and I think that's the, the, the trick. And I'll say this, you know, and I made that comment on there. Um, if they're not drinking out of the same pitcher, um, then, then you, you don't have them all on the same page. And, that, and that's, to me, that's a big deal. Um, I think it starts, um, I think you're a freshman. I think you got a freshman team and you got a freshman coach. And I've been fortunate to have some phenomenal freshman coaches. It starts right there. Um, the number one thing, and I think, Jay, you touched on this a little bit, is um, the intensity. Well, I think the first thing most kids have trouble in high school is, and we talk, we're going to practice six days a week. We're going to go six days a week. We're not going to go twice a week. We're going to go six days a week. I mean, and, that, and that's, I think, the first thing. And so you start setting the tone um, of how, what the expectations are. Um, you get into that sophomore year and all of a sudden, so our freshmen are not in our weight training class. They start getting in their sophomore. And to me, your seniors and your juniors are going to have to be the ones one, they're going to call those sophomores out for their, hey, the work ethic in here goes this level. I mean, you're going to have to step up your level. And then those seniors at the same time got to start celebrating those sophomores when they do buy into what they're doing. And now all of a sudden you've closed that gap. And so now what you've created is, hey, we're all one. We're a unit now. So now I got sophomores that are buying in because I got seniors doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so it starts spreading. One thing that we do, uh, I think you got to get into the school. Um, so we do senior nights and each kid gets their own senior night. So that means they get five or six minutes before the game. It's all about them. Now, once the game starts, it's about us. So one thing we do is we have, they get to select a teacher to come out and throw the first pitch. Well, now that teacher's involved in our program. So that's huge. Um, fundraisers we do firewood we make a little money off of firewood but I'll tell you what the greatest thing we do is they get up every Saturday in the fall we load their trucks up and we go to people in our community and we deliver and we stack firewood and I get emails or our parents get emails hey your kids were awesome today they're polite kids they worked their tails off they did what I asked them to do they had to carry firewood up you know, the side of a mountain, whatever it is. Now I've got the community into this thing. And so to me, that is the Kool-Aid and is that, hey, we're all buying into this where this is important to us. And now we're creating that, um, well, we're creating that culture. That's what we're doing. And so now they're all buying into, hey, it's about all of us. Now we got them going. Yeah. Uh I think I think an awesome thing that you said was celebrating that player, you know, whether, you know, I, I know a lot of times it's about the big team thing, but yeah. at some point it, it, it needs a little time for that kid to be recognized that, you know, we, we saw all the hard work you put in for the last four years. We've seen the blood and sweat and, you know, whatever it is to, 
to show that commitment. And, and we're, we're appreciative of that. And, and we thank your time as much as, you know, cause the truth is those kids are what's going to pass it down to the next kid. Um, we yeah. Can, yeah. We put it in go ahead. Go ahead. Well, we, I think it also, you know, you're not going to be successful without role players. Yeah. And to me, that is probably one of the most important things I think, um, and celebrating those kids, um, you better take those role guys and you may, you better make a big emphasis on them. And, you know, there's no question when you finish a game and somebody hit a game winner, um, Hey, we all know who hit the game winner, right? But who created that opportunity for that guy to hit it? You better celebrate that guy because without that guy, you don't have a game winner. And so that is that role play. And, and, and that's the whole thing is that team building part concept I mean and and you to me it's more about talking about the game and how that kid played a role in the game um it goes back to what we talked about all the time it's, you know these kids it's not the process it's the end result they want to celebrate uh well let's remind them how how we got to that end result um people played a part in us being able to get to that end result without those people no matter how big or small that role was we're not here without them. And that's a big part of it. So I try to, yeah, we're going to celebrate the guy that had 10 K's that day pitching on the bump. Um, but we're also going to celebrate one or two role players that made a huge impact in us being able to be successful as a team. And that's a big part of it. Might be the catcher that blocked uh, seven curveballs in the dirt that were all for strikeouts. So, you know, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, uh, what about, um, I know, just kind of touching on this, I, I just wanted to see this presentation of player packs. What, what exactly is that? It says holidays, player packs, kind of what, what's the idea behind that? Well, we were going, and again, I was looking up cultures, and, and part of a culture is holidays, and, and I used to laugh. Um, so we, obviously our kid, we make cuts and all that in January, and then um, so once we make those final cuts, they come in on that Saturday. And then that Saturday, our coaches would put together all their stuff, all their hoodies and everything. And we'd put it in their bag and we would put it in their locker room. And so they would come in and I really didn't pay much attention. One of our kids came in. He's like, coach, this is like Christmas in January. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, they love it, you know? And I was like, so that was our holiday. You know, it was, it was the day that they came in and, Hey, they were excited about being a part of the program. They got something, you know, there was a gift there for them. And so that's our holidays and we celebrate. I mean, they love that day. And, uh, you know, if you got the money in your program to spend on your kids, uh, there's nothing they like more than wearing uh, gear with, with your team name on there. And then the, the sense of pride that those kids have about that, um, it kind of takes you back a little bit and it, it, you appreciate where they're coming from and how, you know, it's a big deal. And sometimes yeah, yeah. we forget that. We forget that. Well, so many of them, you know, high school is going to be, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but high school's some of those kids greatest moments, you know, and, and being a part. And it's really the only time they'll ever really be a part of a team and understand what it's like to work together and work towards something and put all that time in to achieve something together. So 
Um, you know, you look back and a lot of people look at these as your greatest moments and they should be celebrated and they should be understood that, you know, that this kid has put that time and sweat that we've asked him to put into. And, and, and he, it means a lot to him, whether we realize it or not. I agree. And I'll tell you a great, um, this year I had, I brought in some guys um, from our 12 team um, to come and talk to our group. So they, they came on a, uh, seven o'clock in the morning on a Friday. Um, only two of them could make it. They were from our 12 team that lost in a state championship and, like, Coach, what do you want to talk about? And I said, really, I want you guys to just talk. I want you to talk about your experience. I want you to talk about, you know, just everything. I, I don't want to control the conversation. So they came in, and, and, they, and they did a great job. And But one of the things that I was kind of floored by, both of these kids played college baseball, very successful college uh, careers, and they're like, I'm telling you, the most fun that I've had in my career was high school baseball and the playoffs. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you can't you can't beat that. And I'm like, nope. here are these guys. They had conference championships. They got rings, you know, and one of them was an All-American. And what does he take away was was I mean, obviously that year we played for state championships. So it was pretty special. But that was that was a big deal to him. And it, it kind of took me back a little bit. And I, I sometimes we forget uh, how much this stuff means to these guys and um, not the wins and the losses, just, I mean, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the hard work, the process, the things that we always talk about, we're getting to them. We are getting to them. The the bus rides, the, you know, the conversations after practice, the stopping to eat a meal that, you know, just stupid stuff that happens between the kids that, you know, they remember for a lifetime. Um, Yeah. Yeah. One of our big ones is we had uh, Dom Hughes who played for us and in, in, at Kansas State now, but he used to sing on the bus. Like, like <laughs> we get a win and everybody's like hurrying back to the bus because we know Dom's about to start singing. So we, yes. we get all there. So you know, <laughs> still talked about, and then it carried into him singing a song after every game, uh, after every win in their field that year. And it's just it's one of those memories you look back and like. I mean, I, I honestly couldn't tell you the record from that season, but I know we played well and we had a good, good culture there. And, and those things stick out, not the wins and losses, like you said. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And that's why we do it, gentlemen. And, oh, yeah. And but, I, oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I, I think that's a perfect segue. We actually got a, a, a question on Twitter. Somebody sent in a question on Twitter uh, at Jacob Oldno. Uh, asked a question, uh, how do you, Coach, make it a priority to stay in touch with your players? I think some of the most fun that we have is telling these stories about old players. And, and you know, now you can reach out with them through a text message and hopefully talk to them on the phone. But how do you, you know, make it a priority to stay in touch with some of your former players? Well, I, I'm going to tell you this. Um, I, I can I can assure you, Jacob Olno is going to listen to this. Hey, here we go. Welcome, Jacob. Yeah. He may be the only one tonight, gentlemen, but he's going to be listening. Um, okay. And Jacob is one of my favorite people of all time. Um, and I'm going to tell you the story because, I, again, this is what it's about. Jacob, um, Jake was our manager, Jacob Cerebral Palsy. And um, Jacob came in as a freshman and he wanted to be a manager. And uh, you talking about just passion and heart. And so I said, that's fine. His dad, we talked a little bit and um, 
the problem was going to be Jacob had to get on the bus without his walker. And so that was a big deal to Jacob, you know, uh, because he didn't, didn't leave that walker. And the only way he could get on that bus, the bus driver wouldn't let him on there without, unless he could climb the steps. So we got our first road game and I get a text from Jacob and he's homesick. Well, I knew if he wasn't homesick, Jacob didn't want to climb those steps. He was afraid he wasn't going to get up those steps. So um, I told him, it's like, the only way you're going to be a manager is if you can climb those steps. And so second bus trip, he's there and he's scared to death. And, um, but he got up those steps and uh, he was celebrating when he got on the bus and our team and those are the kind of things those kids stood up and applauded for him. I mean, and you're talking about, you know, your heart racing and because that kid accomplished something. And that was, that was one of my best coaching memories. And I've 28 years of doing this. And, uh, you know, he continued to be our manager and uh, phenomenal individual. And, um, but he's, he's, you got you to gotta reach out to your kids. Uh, and I'm not very good at it. I'm not a social media guy, um, but I can tell you this. I always make sure I talk to Jacob Olno because uh, he's been a big part of my life. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's a tough segue. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so just kind of getting towards the end of this and just kind of talking and, and Looking at this, you finished up with kind of talking about strong versus weak kind of culture in your, your program. And, and can you touch on what the strong means and what the weak means and, and just kind of how that finishes everything off? Well, I, I'm actually going to reverse a little bit. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to talk about the weak because this is when I, I, um, I felt like um, we weren't doing a good enough job um, in creating a culture at Lambert. Um, our first two years there, we won two region titles and uh, we were rolling, but uh, I can still look back and think that I really wasn't comfortable. Uh, I didn't feel like we were challenging our kids and we were, but I, I, didn't, I didn't make the moves that I needed to make. Because um, when you're winning, you don't like to change things. So. We start struggling, and then we're in that, that third year. Um, I told you we did senior nights. And so in this particular night, we had senior night for this young man, and then we get into the game, and it's a region game, and we're down 4 nothing. And I'm a little frustrated, and we're not playing very well. And um, But one of our kids gets up there. We get two on, and he hits a three-run jack. And I'm pumped because, I mean, we're back in this thing. And the kid's coming into the dugout and he's celebrating. And one of the kids goes, man, that is awesome. You hit a home run on your senior night. And I thought to myself, how is that the first thing that we're going to celebrate? We're in a 4-3 ball game now in a tight region. And we're celebrating an individual accomplishment. And it kind of hit me that, I'm, we're not doing what we need to be doing. We're not approaching this the right way. And so I felt like that point in time, then I started looking around and I'm like, all right, in the weight room, I'm not in the weight room. We're not doing the things we need to be doing in the weight room. 
in the on the field we're not talking team enough we're not celebrating those things are important so it, it became evident no don't, don't get me wrong that wasn't the only thing that, that that i noticed but i saw hey we're not where we need to be we're without a question so that's when i started looking at the culture and um you know i got stats in there because when we start talking about stats we're no longer talking about us we're talking about individual stuff and I celebrate individuals. I think that's important, but I like to celebrate them at the end. Um, you know, I'll tell you this, started turning some rings around. Last year I had, my oldest son was on our team. And um, you wanna know if you're reaching kids, um, you know, at the end of the year, our last game, um, if your kids aren't crying and they're not upset, you're missing something. And so my son, he, he, obviously we got shut down and uh, he says, uh, you know, dad, I think the one thing I'm going to miss the most is that we didn't get to say bye on the field with you. And uh, I mean, that tore me up, you know, for one as a dad, but two, it tore me up as a coach because I realized that meant something to him. And it meant something to the other guys because that was our opportunity to say, I love you. I appreciate you. You know, you're always a part of this, you know, and I, I, I never hugged my kids neck until uh, they're seniors and they played their last year because so much goes on. If I get, too, if I get too much as a junior and I'm going to lose that a little bit. And so I don't hug their necks until after they graduate. Now, every time I see them after I graduate, they graduate, I hug their neck because they're one of us. And, you know, that took me, that's when I kind of realized, all right, hey, we're starting to get this thing going back, you know, where those things mean a lot to them and um, not the end results, um, but the love you have for each other, the work you put into each other. And um, it's a big part of their life. And so I, you know, you got a strong culture when those things matter. And that's what you want to build off of. Yeah. And, and, you know, as coaches in just general, the ability to reflect on your actions and what you're doing and the process you're doing, it, it goes a long way because a lot of times we get so focused on what we're trying to accomplish. And, and if you don't realize that it's not working, you just keep beating your head in the wall. And so stepping back, looking at that and understanding what you really, your concrete beliefs are and how are we going to get there um, is a huge thing. Um, so just yeah. on the strength sides, I, I imagine it's more, you know, we, we start looking at more of the team understanding of where we're going. Um, Set of habits, yeah. normal positions, symbols, you know, those things. And how do you really try to influence those things to, to get that strong side? Well, I think, you know, traditions is a, is a big part of it. And I think you talked about it. The, the traditions of, number one, you recognize your kids. Um, so somewhere in your program, uh, there needs to be something your kids uh, who've gone on to play college baseball or pro baseball or whatever it is that needs to be. There needs to be recognition. You got to have banners. Uh, recognizing um, team accomplishments. Um, I think, um, you know, one thing that we do is we have a same shirt every year. Um, last year's shirt was uh, we either win or we um, learn. 
And, uh, you know, and that slogan was huge for us because we always focused on losing. Um, we were so afraid of losing. And then when we took that out of it and then our focus was on learning, we had some success. Um, to me, that's a big part. Um, kids like to expect, they like stability. They like to, they don't like to say it, but they like that stability of when they, hey, they know when we go in August, we're going to go, I'm going to give them the first two weeks and then we're going to start four-on-ones. And four-on-ones are going to go through the end of October. They know that we're going to do four-on-ones to the end of October. And they know, and then November comes the dreaded 220s on Thursday. And so we're going to condition Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they got dreaded uh, 220s. And they hate 220s, but they love when they get them done. And they know that we're going to do that, and we got a conditioning test when we come back in January. So those things, those habits, I mean, those traditions, those things that form, um, create that culture they can they can hold on to and go this is what we're going to do especially when you've got the scenario that we all have and kids are wondering you know we lost it last year what's going to happen this year well they got something every day they can come into that's the weight room that's four-on-ones and that's conditioning and they can hold on to that because they're sure that that's going to be there for them so that's important to it um you know i, I put walk the talk i, I if you can't walk it, guys, it's going to be hard to get your kids to be in. And, and I'll let me say this. The greatest resource you have are your assistant coaches. They are the. Amen. Our success is because of our assistant coaches. I'll tell you every day of the week that it's our success is because of our assistant coaches, either Brookwood or Lambert. I have been very fortunate to have some quality men around me. And my players have been very fortunate to have some quality men around them. And uh, you want to sell your program? It's your assistant coaches, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, um, I, we kind of touched on that last week with uh, Coach Strickland from Maris was the, the Coach Lasley, the ability that he's given us to take the responsibility and have the accountability for our positions and our players in those positions. Uh, goes a humongous way and, and also it forces um, I feel like it forces the kids to understand that the head coach trusts us just as much as he trusts himself with those kids like you better learn to trust these guys and in that it forces them to create relationships with us and Amen. and it, it just blossoms from there and then on top of it from our side is we're passing along the the ideas and the culture of the program from the head coach to those kids. So it, it's, a, it's kind of working together in both ways. We pass it along and then those kids give it back to us to pass back to the head coach. And yeah, I, I, I agree with 100%. And, I, and I'll tell you something, that relationship that those kids have with uh, an assistant coach, I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, it, it really does create the atmosphere that you want as a head coach, because now you get a chance to do your job as a head coach and you take in the stress. You know, I always want to take the stress off my kids. I want to take the stress off my coaches. Let me take that. Y'all go do the things that you love to do. And I trust you. I 100% believe in you. And we've already talked and we got a philosophy. So let's go to it. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, well, it, it and, and that relationship, Tom and Coach, you could probably agree with this. 
that kid, when he's comfortable with his hitting coach, he's comfortable with his pitching coach, and he has that relationship, they're going to that guy first before they come to you. you oh, yes. As a, yes. as a head coach, you get the big problem, or you get the when it's at the end. Yes. But problems get solved, or kids feel comfortable when they can go to that coach and say, hey, this is going on, or I'm not feeling this, or, or this is happening, not only – from a from an on field standpoint, but just whatever it is, is is that that pitching coach, that hitting coach, that catching coach, that's going to be their first line of of communication is to that guy because the, sometimes they think if they come to you, they're going to get in trouble or it's going to be a bad thing. And so having coaches who take responsibility, who have relationships with their players, that's going to be the first place they go to. Yeah, and I, I mean, and that's where you want to, and that's where they need to go because you know I always tell them I I, I got to ride out a lineup. You know, so the, our conversation is going to be different than it's going to be with with one of my assistants. And and it needs to be. I mean, they need to have that guy to go to because uh, I'm going to be hard on them and I'm going to be demanding on them. And uh, they need somebody they need. They need somebody to talk to that about. No question. Well, and also from a head coaching standpoint, I've never been a head coach, but this is how I feel is that there's you know 40 plus kids in our program. It's impossible for our head coach to have a personal relationship with every single kid in that program, like a downright personal relationship. And, and we are that we are able to take those smaller groups and create that more personal situation. But also we get the, the benefit of trans, you know, taking information from coach Lasley about that yes. player and relay it to yes. him. Say, no coach, coach Lasley, he sees what you're doing, man. It, it's not going like, and it's hard for, I guess, the, the personal relationship, what I'm trying to say, is it's hard for you as a head coach to get to every kid and go, man, you're doing this great, you're doing this great, you're doing this great, and then move to the next kid and say, you're doing this great, you're doing this great. We get to be able to do that buffer and be like, hey, coach came to me and said this, and you know, you're doing a great, keep working at it, you got this. Coach knows, he sees it, it it's going to happen. So, um, and, and for us to be able to create that relationship of giving that positivity and relaying um, and knowing that we have that great relationship with Coach Lasley the head coach, whatever it may be, whoever it may be, is, is a huge thing for, for the whole culture of the program, that we're all yeah, on the same page. We're all moving in the same direction. Um, that's why I don't hug their neck till after they graduate, because I still got to make decisions <laughs> on them. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, oh, yeah, big time. So, well, and, and, and we talked about you, you kind of like talk about the practices. Somebody made this statement, Coach Strickland made it last week, until you have kids – you don't yeah. understand what it means. And, no. and you're way ahead now. You've got a son who's, who's in high school. I can only imagine is, is understanding that. And, and I, I take away from this. Sometimes I get caught in the groundhog day of another season, another January, and what we're trying to accomplish. And like Tom said earlier, this is a big moment for those guys. Most of these seniors will not play another sport after high school. And All sometimes right. I know as a head coach, I have to remind myself, of, hey, this is a big moment for this guy. And like you're talking about of celebrating those moments because that kid's going to remember that when he's 25, when he's 35 years old. Oh, uh, you he, better believe it. <laughs> and I think sometimes as a head coach, you got to remind yourself it's, hey, don't get caught in Groundhog Day if this is just another another BP session. This is a moment that this kid might remember whatever it is. You're exactly right, 100% of the time. And, and, and hey, and even if they do go play, like that player said, that his best times were in high school. I mean, it was like, you forget the impact that you have. It's huge. Have you ever had, you know, say one of your better players, one of the guys you're really leaning on from production in the season, 
that just hasn't bought in? And you don't have to say names or anything, but have you no, ever had a situation yeah. where they're kind of fighting it and, you know, it's just that individual, yeah. like, I'm going to do my thing. I'm, I want to be here because I oh, want to yeah. play baseball and be a part of the team, but I'm still going to do my own thing while everybody in the other side is trying to work together to move in the right direction. And how, how did you get that kid to move into the right direction? Or as you said, come drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's, well, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think it, all of us, if you've coached long enough, you've had that that situation and you've had that situation where you reached that kid and you've had situations where you didn't reach that kid. And, and I can think um, relatively just a year or two ago where I had some kids I didn't reach two to three years ago, um, but I wish I was able to, but, but we weren't. Um, and I can certainly think about some kids um, that, that we were able to reach. And, and funny enough, the kid that made the comment about his best, uh, he, he and I went to blows. And then he'll, he'll tell you, he was like, uh, he was stubborn. He wouldn't listen. I told him, he, I got frustrated with him. I told him he needed to come back tomorrow at 6 a.m. I said he went home and told everybody that he thought I was kicking him off the team. And uh, came back that morning. We have a, we run, we pay the piper when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And um, so when you pay the piper, there's a little conditioning. Um, and so he paid the piper that morning. Uh, he had about four of them, which is pretty strenuous. And um, I told him we weren't going to do this anymore. And he was either going to buy into what we were doing or he wasn't going to be a part of it. And uh, he told me that day, which was just a couple of weeks ago, that that changed him. And uh, that's awesome. <laughs> there he is speaking to my kids about it. You know what I mean? I mean, it was, that was great. Uh, what about, I always, I always laughed. At, oh, I, I laughed to myself that sometimes the, the, the longest relationship I have with players is not with my starting shortstop or my starting yeah. pitcher, but it's that kid who was just hitting in the nine hole may have never played. That's the kid that I'm texting with 10 years yeah. later. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not necessarily your best players are the ones that you end up as a head coach having the longest relationship with. Oh, there's no question. And your best players, not always, I've got some of the best players um, that don't talk, you know, and, and that's fine. You know, I mean, that's just part of, you're going to have, you're going to have differences in personality and those kind of things. And, and um, there was probably some things I could have done differently. And we all look back on those things, but I, I'm going to I was probably doing what I thought was the right thing to do at the time. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's where assistant coaches are huge because if I wasn't, uh, I had some guys that I could there and say, Hey, you know, am I doing right by this kid? And they'd say, no, you weren't, or yes, you were. And I, and I knew they were going to be honest with me. And that was huge for me. And, uh, but you're right. It, the impact, because you don't know how you're going to impact a kid and, and you don't know. And again, they don't talk, you know, we created the chair um, the where we go and we force them to sit in a chair and in that chair, um, somebody in the room is going to tell them two things they like about them and two things that they don't like about them. And they got to listen to both of them. And the chair is huge. Um, but that's the only time we can get kids to talk sometimes is when they're in the chair. Um, and they can't argue, you know, you it's, it's, and so they got to take both of that, but you start to get a feel for what those who those kids are. And then to each other, they start to get a feel for what the other one's thinking. 
and it opens up some communication. Uh, so, you know, I think that's important. Yeah. Um, there was just, there was one thing, one last thing I just, and it's kind of going back into this and then I don't mean to drag this on, but what about, um, coming into Lambert? Like, I, I know one thing is taking in that senior class when you come into, they had a head coach before. Um, I don't really know the relationship before that was, that coach, did he just move on or was he kind of forced out? And so those seniors were looking for a new one. Um, and, well, and really, go ahead. It, it was an interesting scenario for us yeah. um, because it was unlike any other. So in 2014, they won a national championship. Um, and then Coach Corr got an opportunity to go to a junior college down in Florida and start a new program there. So, um, what I thought was a great job by the administration because it was a July decision. Uh, instead of just hiring somebody, they did an interim basis. So the AD took it over, uh, who was a great baseball guy himself. Um, so he did it for a year. So when I came into this group of seniors, they were on their third coach um, in three years. And um, they had won a national championship and then the year of the interim coach had a phenomenal regular season, won the region, but they got beat in the first round. So here you had two very different endings. And so I cannot say enough about that first group. I mean, you talk about buying in, they were all in. They were all in. And um, they were all about it. And, and that was probably, you know, I didn't have to do a lot. I mean, they were ready. They wanted it. They yeah. wanted it. I mean, they, 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 they wanted to be a part of what they saw in 14 and they never wanted for 15 to ever happen again, you know? And it was funny in that, in that course of the season, we got to a point where we were struggling and that was one of the things we talked about. I said, listen, you need to understand you're not 14. You're not 15. Yeah. You are 16 and you need to celebrate 16. And from that point on, it made the point. They decided, Hey, we're going to be us. And we're going to see how far us takes us. And hey, we got to Elite Eight that year. And uh, it was it was it was a highlight of my coaching career because I loved it. That's awesome. Any other questions, or you guys, uh, anything you want to? Lastly, Kelly, good. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, coach, well, let me just uh, go ahead. Let me say this. First of all, I love this. I love what you guys are doing for high school athletics because this is. This is what it's about, and it's been a truly an honor to be a part of this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Coach, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Um, it, it's just a lot of information, and we appreciate it so much for taking the time and talking to us. I know we just started up. This is our fourth episode, and, and, and just the ability for Georgia coaches to come on and, and talk about their, their experiences and what they've gone through and how they've created their, their culture at their schools is just a, is a true blessing for you guys to do that. And I hope we help some coach out there that's that's in the middle of this struggling to figure out their way or coming into a new coaching opportunity, whatever it may be. Um, it, it's a really awesome experience for you to come on here and talk to us about creating that culture inside of a program. Um, one last thing, the last question I'd like to end on is if you're given one piece of advice to a new coach or a coach starting a new job, what would that thing be coming into it? Be you. Be you. Be you uh, every day of the week. Be you. I love it. And that seems like a running theme. Coach Turco was on here. He's talking about being you, standing up, yelling, bam, and getting the swings in. He was definitely <laughs> you. And 
Same thing. With <laughs> be, be you. That's what they're going to react to, you. <laughs> but, but, and and we've, we talked about this with Coach Strickland. Kids know when you're not you. Oh, they, yes, they, 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 they know when you're not, you know, they know when you're being fake about things. They want to know you and have that relate. And, and that's what this whole conversation, as I'm sitting here and I've got your, your, your speech in the background, the only thing I, I can sit here and I come back to is this is relationships. This is yes. you building relationship with individuals, you building relationship with a group of seniors or a group of freshmen. And, and I think Lord knows none of us coach high school baseball for the pay. Yeah, we're here for the kids and we're here for that relationship that we have with those kids and knowing that I would probably say all five of us, there was a coach who made an impact. And if there's a young guy listening to this, just understand that that impact that you're going to have on a kid, because he's going to coach some travel ball team or a little league team, and he's going to coach the same way that you coached him. And so that, that coaching gets passed on and that relationship gets passed on after we're gone. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. All right. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of the Attack Angle. Coach Howard, thank you once again for taking the time to come on and talk to us. We appreciate everything you do and allowing us this experience. And uh, if I uh, hope you guys all have happy holidays. Be safe. Um, and, and I wish you guys the best. And like Coach Howard said, be you. Go out there and do your thing. Keep working. Keep going ahead and, and helping those kids out. We appreciate it. Coach Howard, we thank you for your time, and we thank will you, see you guys again Thanks, for Coach another Howard. episode. Have a Thanks, good one, guys. Appreciate Best it. of luck to you. You too, Coach. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Coach Rick Howard. He's an awesome guy. Great information. It was a true honor to be able to interview him. Um, if there's anybody out there that wants us to interview or be interviewed, let us know at AttackAngle1 on Twitter. Uh, DM us or, or shoot us a message, whatever it may be. Um, but please reach out, let us know what you guys want to hear, what relevant information and what topics you guys like to hear. Um, but again, Coach Howard, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Bye.